stay there, but uh, or put something there. Maybe use your worship folder, or I invite you to turn with the notes. But to turn to Psalm 92 as well, we'll be using both of these verses today. Uh, you know, over the last several months, I, I've shared that our church board is, has begun this process where we invited some people to take uh, a survey, and we're doing some things, and and we've we've been looking at all these different components of what it looks like and to be a healthy church. That it's not just a static thing that boom, you're there. That, that just like uh, any of us, if we want to be healthy, then you have to practice healthy things. And so we, we've been looking at how we can foster to create healthy habits um, in our church. And so one of the things that with that is I, I get to go and I love going and sitting around town and, you know, in restaurants and, and basketball games that are coming up and all the football games, all two of them um, here in town and volleyball games and baseball and soccer and anything else where the community is kind of gathered. And I get to be with you and I'm sitting around talking and usually um, I get introduced to people that you know, I wouldn't know and otherwise around town. And, and so it's always interesting because someone will introduce me, and I'm very proud of this, that they introduce me, we want to introduce you to our pastor. And it's, it's always an interesting thing to see people's face when I get introduced as the pastor. Because, you know, they, they, you never know what kind of reaction you're going to get. You know, they're trying to figure out if I'm going to pull out a Bible out of my back pocket and just smack them over the head. So, so before I can get there... You know, they, they pull out, well, I go to church. Cool. I go to church. I, I really think they say that to ward off what they think is coming. It, 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 that's an, it's, it's a good thing to hear that I go to church, but yet those words, I go to church, are not very different then other statements that we can get, such as, I go to the movies. I go to a game. I go to a show. I go to church. So as, for, as, as we think about it, we, I, I don't want, want to venture to say this. It's time that we just stop just going to church. Because what I want us to see is that God's highest calling for you and God's highest calling for me as a follower of Christ was never just to go to church. It's to be planted in the church. God's highest calling isn't to go to a physical destination on a certain location in a certain city of a certain building that looks different than other buildings, but it's to be conformed to the very image of Christ. The goal is not simply to go to church, but to be planted, to be the church. A light boldly shining in a dark world. God's highest calling is never just to go to church. It's to be planted in the house of God in order that we would be sent out into the world. Psalm 92 this morning that we're going to look at is is this song. Uh, There's different debates on who wrote it. There are several that think it was David. Um, but it's, it was be, destined uh, and written to be sung on the Sabbath. 
a day talking about God's provision and thankfulness and celebrating God's goodness. And in verse 7, it gets into this point where it starts talking about the wicked and, and those that follow their own way instead of God's way and that they spring up like grass, which we all know if you don't continue to water and water a lot, it withers. It, it, it gets brown and it just becomes there. But in contrast to that statement, verse 12 says this, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now for us in Northeast Oregon, we don't see too many palm trees. Um, you usually have to go to other places to experience those. Uh, in, in cedars, yes, we have some, but cedars of Lebanon, not necessarily. It's a different variety. and uh, so, so it may not make a full lot of sense, but they're going to flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar, it says. So what does that, flourish, that word flourish mean? It's not a word that we use a lot in our everyday language. If you come up to say and, and ask me on a, you know, when we're sitting there at the game, well, how Troy, Troy how, how are you doing? And I'm not likely going to surround, well, I'm flourishing. Yeah, flourishing. Not probably going to happen. Because it's not a word that we use very often, but it is this great image of what it means to be planted, to flourish. It means to thrive. It means growing. It means prospering. It means to be a blessing. So the psalmist likens the righteous, those that are following after God, to these two trees, specifically the cedar and the palm. Cedars are known for their durability, for being pleasant to look at, and also for having a pleasant smell. And, and Solomon knew this when he built the temple. He used these cedars of Lebanon uh, to, to build the columns and the posts and the beams and even the roof out of cedar because his be his, this building, this temple of God, was meant to last for generations. It would, had to be durable. And so he uses this wood and, and those following after God's ways are being compared in this verse to growing like a cedar that's durable, strong, and lasting. But the God's people are also described to be like a palm tree. Now we look at palm trees and we see them in you know, pictures and we think of nice vacations. But palm trees are a long-lived plant. They're a tree that grows and has durability. The winter doesn't change it. It's been said of the palm tree, the more it is pressed down, the more it grows. So when the writer says that the righteous are like a palm, that what it means is that they can flourish even in the midst of burden. The more they're afflicted, the more they multiply. So who will flourish? Well, verse 13, as we continue in Psalm 92, says those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Scripture doesn't say that those who just go to church will flourish. But those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. 
I love the imagery. It's, it continues. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more that sounds good. It's encouraging. They're going to proclaim the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they're flourishing, they're blessed, they're, they're, they're prospering, they're connected, they're engaged, they're making a difference in the world around them. Unfortunately for many in our churches though, if we were just sitting there talking to one another over a, a Coke or, or in my language, coffee, um, you might not use the word flourishing. If I ask you how you were doing, you might say, well, I'm spiritually uh, dry. Instead of saying I'm thriving emotionally, some would say, well, I'm emotionally withering inside. Instead of saying I'm connected relationally, others might say, well, I'm relationally broken. Instead of saying I'm fulfilled spiritually and making a difference and full of joy, So many people would say, I'm still searching, I'm reaching, I'm longing for, I'm hoping for that thing, that hit, that buzz, that something, that relationship, that job, that whatever it is that I don't have that I think is going to fulfill me on the inside. And all the while, a lot of people will admit, well, I go to church should do it. God will be happy. Not many want to admit or will admit that they're really flourishing. And I admit there's, there's times and seasons in everybody's life, but Scripture tells us that those who are planted are those who will flourish. So to begin today, in, in that understanding, I want you to realize that your life is a seed. What's awesome about this imagery is is that a seed has tremendous potential. A seed has a potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit, and, and to be a blessing to others. But at the same time, a seed, if it is not planted, has the potential to lie dormant, to be unproductive, unfruitful, and dissatisfied. So as a seed, let me, let me give you a couple of principles that are helpful this morning. The first one is this. A seed can only grow if it's planted. Seems pretty simple. But, but if you look at the verse, who flourishes? It's those who are planted in the house of God. If you look at the story in Matthew chapter 13, there's, there's this, Jesus tells this really powerful story, um, otherwise known as a parable. He says this farmer goes out to plant some seed. And so the, the, the farmer throws out this seed and some of the seed just falls on a path. On hard ground. And since the seed couldn't take root, birds come along and they steal the seed. And it never reaches its full potential, or any potential. Some seeds fall in very shallow soil. And so it spurts up and it begins to grow, but it never plants roots. And it withers when the sun comes up and it dies immediately. 
Some seeds start to really kind of grow and they're showing lots of potential. And, and, but then other things come in and thorns choke out that life of that emerging plant. And Jesus tells us that it's, it's like the worries of the world and the concerns of this life. Are, are you getting the metaphor? Some people have all this potential. But they never go anywhere. They, they, you know, some start to grow and they're at the surface level, but then they fade away because the worries and the concerns and the bills and the struggles of life begin to choke out what's going on and the spiritual growth that's going on in their life. But then, Jesus points out that some seed falls into the good soil. And it multiplies 30 and 60 and 100 times. That one seed becomes this massive blessing because it was planted in good soil. So who is it flourishes? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. A seed can truly only grow if it's planted. The second thing I want us to understand and I hope that we'll understand is that just going to church isn't the same as being planted there's a real difference you you can hear it even in the in the language for example some may say well hey uh, are, are we going to go to church today I can hear the conversation on a Sunday morning well today we're kind of busy you know there's a lot going on there there's a game going on later today and it and I need to get ready for that and, and we're kind of tired and yesterday was so full and and you, you know we have the kids and 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 I'm not sure what we're going to do. Are we going to church today? Listen. When you're planted, you begin to understand that church isn't just a destination. The church is a posture of who you are in reference to who you understand God to be. We don't ask ourselves we're going to church because it's not really negotiable. I will admit there are some Sundays where I don't feel like it. But that's when I know I need it the most. We, as followers of Christ, as the church, we are the church. We are called to worship God for who He is, not how we feel about it. It's not a destination where we attend. It's an identity within us. Even the Greek words that's translated often into church has this great meaning. It's it's ecclesia. And it means two things. It means to gather or or to assemble. In, In other words, your presence is needed to be planted in the house of the Lord. I realize that in our modern world, there are a lot of ways to take in information and to take in the message that, that of, of God and that we share. I mean, I get it. We try to make the message very available in every way we possibly can. But, but it's kind of like this. I don't want the only time my kids hear from me and I want that only that relational connection to be when they listen to a voicemail or read a text message. I need them in my house. I need them to assemble together on occasion. 
so that we can have a connection with one another. In the same way, there's something about assembling together, the the gathering of the family of God, that's not only special, but it's needed. It's the assembly, it's the gathering, it, it, but it's the word ecclesia also has this different breakdown that it's, that's even more powerful. We have ek, which means out, and we have klesia, which comes from this root word, kaleo. And, and when you put those together, it literally means the called out. In other words, we gather together to be unified We gather together to honor God. We gather together to corporately hear the Word of God so that we can gather together and get our gifts together and use our gifts. But as we're being strengthened by coming together, it's not just what happens on the inside of church. It's that we're the church and then we're sent out into the world. When we're planted in the house of God, we realize that we cannot simply be spiritual consumers. When we're followers of Christ, we realize that we are the church. We exist to share God's message in the world. There's a massive difference from just going to a building and being plugged into the very calling, a movement, and a mission of God. We need to be planted in the house of God. So what happens when you're planted? There's two things among that I want to highlight, but number one, when you're planted, your roots grow deep. Look at verse, uh, Jeremiah 17 where, where uh, Glenn read. It's starting in verse 8. It's, it's this, this very similar passage as what we had in, in Psalm 92. It says, They are like trees that are planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. So when roots grow deep, you see what happens. It, it, it says such trees are not bothered by heat or worried by logs by long months of drought. I'm not asking you to raise your hand this morning, but I wonder how many of you might right now, if, if I you know, would ask, you would say, well, I've got some heat going on, some trials in my life. And for some may say, oh, I'm really in a drought right now. It's not what you want to admit, but it's where you are. But, but what we know is that when the roots grow deep, they don't wither because they're connected to a source that is greater than the problem at the surface. Amen. The roots grow deep. In fact, I, I, because I only work you know, 30 minutes one time a week, I, I did some research. <laughs> and I, I got on the internet, this Google thing's amazing. And I started looking up facts about cedars, and more specifically, the cedars of Lebanon, because they're kind of legendary. They're written throughout Scripture and used in, in the psalm passage specifically we talked about. And here's what I found. A cedar of Lebanon is a tall tree with spreading branches. That's the starting of the definition. It can get up to 80 feet tall and be 50 feet wide. So roughly eight, eight stories tall, these cedars. And if, you, if you're wondering, well, I wonder how, 
tall trees get like that? I mean, how do they stay up? Well, for every 10 feet of height above the ground, that cedar has gone down and out 30 feet. So while it may be 80 feet tall, it's 240 feet deep. And it doesn't end there because those, those tips of those roots are equipped with this substance that, that allows it to drill through some of the toughest rock that it could encounter underground. And it continues its deep-rootedness as it goes. And so what happens is you've got this one eight-story tree over here and, and they don't grow by themselves. They, they have another eight-story tree over here and you have other trees over here and here. And as they grow up, their roots grow out and they start connecting into one another and intertwining and giving stability to one another. And, and, and beneath this ground, which nobody sees, there's the support system that's sustaining the strength and the growth above the ground. It's a perfect picture of what it means to be in the church. To be the body of Christ. We need one another. And here's what I can promise you. You will face at some point of time, you will face some sort of opposition. You'll struggle, you'll have a setback, and if you face it alone, you're more vulnerable. And I'm going to tell you right now that I don't think the devil minds necessarily if you just go to church. I, I think the, one, the only one who really wants you to think that you shouldn't be planted with deep roots is the devil, though. Yeah. That spiritual enemy who wants you to be isolated because when you're isolated, you're vulnerable. We need one another. I need you and you need me. We need the family of God. Amen. So get planted so that your roots can really grow deep. But another thing that happens with cedars of Lebanon, though, is, is those limb, as those roots go down and that tree gets tall, those limbs go out and they start getting into neighboring trees, right into the foliage of them, and, and they start to grow together as one. So if one tree starts to suffer, its limbs are sustained by the trees around it. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Amen. This refers literally to siblings living together as members of an of a extended family or community. And this is what it looks like when you miss a week and suddenly you have someone in your group reach out to you that asks, Where were you? I missed you. Everything okay? And, it's, and, and don't take it as that, that brother or sister in Christ is, is nagging you. What you're realizing is that roots are being developed and there's accountability when we're the body of Christ. We're better together. But the second thing about being planted is that you begin to produce fruit. As you grow deep, you begin to produce that fruit. Look again at Jeremiah 17 in verse 8. With roots that reach deep in the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. 
when you're spiritually planted, you produce fruit. What does that look like? Well, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He, he, he's, he says it's, it's not a natural fruit, it's a spiritual fruit that comes only from God. And, and it's when the Holy Spirit's inhabiting your life and, and, and changing you from the inside out. And, and what happens is when we're connected to the spiritual vine, God begins to produce spiritual fruit that, that is counter to the world and, and how other people operate. And what you start to see is when, people, when pressures happen and other things happen and, and all this stuff is going on, it begins to pour out of us and we can't stop it. It's things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control and gentleness and you can't stop it because God's love is flowing through. And when you're planted, all these good things begin to manifest themselves. Even in the midst of, good, of, of a difficult time, a difficult season, love still comes out. Joy still comes out in the middle of a trial that you're facing. And, and we, we, it comes out like this, and J, as James writes, you can consider it pure joy whenever you face trials and difficult times because you've been planted. And God is doing something special. And people begin to take notice. And you have a longer perspective, a bigger perspective, and then you realize these fruits, they're not for your enjoyment. These fruits are not for you, just for you. That your love will begin to bless other people. And your joy will become contagious. And suddenly, your peace it becomes attractive to others. And your faithfulness builds relationships. And suddenly you realize, I am planted and I am making a difference because it's not about me. It's about being a part of the, God, the family of God. And you're a voice of encouragement. And you come and you begin to serve in little ways and then bigger ways. And you, and you become, because you can't hold it to yourself. And as you result, as a result, you begin to welcome and invite others because you want them to experience what you have experienced. And then this awesome prayer becomes a regular part of your life. God, just use me. Not my will, but yours. This isn't just a place where I go. This is family. I am needed here and God needs me to do what He created in me to do. And I am known and I am loved and I am planted in the house of God. And as you develop these roots, then you begin to recognize I'm just not saved from my sins. I'm saved for the very glory of God in order to make a difference in this world. And a support system begins to develop around me. And when I do grow with others, there's also this growing amazing thing that happens in the family as a whole. You begin to extend that family. I can't keep it to myself. I have to invite you because I need you to be a part of this family. And I need you. And we may not look exactly alike. We may not even believe everything the same way. And shh, you may not vote the same way. Yes. 
but it doesn't matter because it's not about the lordship of this kingdom on earth. It's about the lordship of the kingdom in heaven. There's a difference between just going to church, which isn't God's highest calling, and a difference between being planted in the house of the Lord. Who is it that flourishes? Only a seed that's planted can grow and flourish. And so as we wrap up this morning, real quick, there's a list on your sermon notes. Five things that that are needed for a, ser- a seed to flourish. It takes soil, it takes light, it takes water, it takes temperature, and it takes time. It takes soil, the good soil of your heart. It takes light. The, the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It takes water. Jesus is the living water who washes and renews your soul. It takes temperature. The fire of the Holy Spirit warms the seed planted in your heart. And it takes time. When is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When is the best time that you have to be planted in the house of the Lord? 20 years ago. When's the next best time? Now. Now is the time because God wants you to flourish and to grow like a palm in a cedar. We are better together. Now as a body of believers, I, I realize and we realize that all of us have a different story. We have a different spiritual story and, and life story because we all started a different place. We want to help you find your place in this body called the church. We want you to feel welcome. We want this to be your home. And we want you to know that you can make a difference. And so let's get serious as followers of Christ, as the family of God, to make sure that we're planted and flourishing. It's time to stop playing church. Because God wants you to flourish. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be able to declare when life's not perfect, when my root, but my roots are deep, my faith is strong, my brothers and sisters are praying for me, I am needed and I am loved. And I am a part of something bigger than myself. I don't go to a building. I'm a vital part of a church. I am God's ambassador in this world. And so as we assemble, as I get together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I then go out strengthened, firmly planted in the house of the Lord. Because we are better together and God is more than enough. We come because we need to worship a God that loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us on the cross. That was powerful enough to overcome death and glorious enough to raise his son back to heaven. And his word says that he is coming again. That we will not know the time nor the day, but everyone will come to account, both the living and the dead. Where is your faith planted?
Where are you serving? If you're new to the faith, or even if just in that journey, I want to encounter, uh, tell you it, becoming a part of the family of God as easy as ABC. It's accepting the fact that you have sinned, that you've fallen short of the glory of God. It's believing in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for those sins and has overcome death in the grave. It's C, confessing our sins to God and saying, you know what, God? You're more than enough. And forgive me for my sins. And then like all gifts, you have to receive. You have to take that gift and make it your own. It doesn't good to take it and lift it and put it on a shelf. You have to own it. Own your faith. Make it a vital part of your life. And when people ask, what's different? You can simply say, I once was blind, but now I see. And it's all about Jesus. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you, for you are more than enough. Help us, Lord, to stop playing church to stop playing games with an eternal consequence. Help us to grow in our understanding and our relationship with you and with one another. May your Holy Spirit come down, Lord, upon your church. Lord, for those that haven't had a relationship with you, May they offer it up humbly before you and just ask for simple forgiveness. Understand that you've already accomplished all that needs to be accomplished. That we just have to receive it. Lord, we are thankful. I am thankful for this group of believers that I get to be a part of each and every Sunday. I'm thankful for the encouragement that I receive from your word. That even in the midst of the dark times and the difficult times, that the roots grow deep. That your living water, you, your, Jesus said that with the water he offers, we will never be thirsty. It's an everlasting water for our soul. We give you the glory today, Lord. And all the praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.